everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelance and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm here again with my co-host, Hall of Famer, Steve Flink. I'm laughing because we just recorded uh, Sunday morning, Steve, and we knew the potential for the matches that were going to be on Monday and potentially Tuesday were going to be lights out. We're going to be amazing. And uh, they did not disappoint. I texted you or called you late yesterday, even before the evening matches on Tuesday night. And I said, Steve, I think we're going to maybe want to record something uh Wednesday early evening, which is what we're doing now to kind of sum up Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Steve, before we get into it, they did not disappoint Monday and Tuesday. Oh, no, just spectacular. They're particularly, I thought, Tuesday. I mean, how can you top it? You have a Kvitova match against Pagula where, where, where Kvitova wins on her fourth match point after saving four match points. You had Zereb and Medvedev go right down to the wire, 7-5 in the third, showing the resurgence of Zereb and the fact that Medvedev is supremely confident right now, no matter what happens to him, including turning his ankle. And then, of course, to cap it all off, Tom, Tommy Paul has six match points against FAA, and he loses that match twice. He's a triple match point twice, but Felix somehow found his way out of that dark corner and emerged with, a, with an important win for him to set up a match with Carlos Alcaraz. So it was a, just a magnificent day. Yeah, let's. There, there's so many storylines, so let's get into it. We'll start Monday, which to me seems like you know six days ago. There's so much tennis that has happened, but Monday, the match that I really, really enjoyed, and a lot of tennis fans were looking forward to seeing, was um, Iga Swiatek versus Bianca Andreescu because we talked about it Sunday a little bit. We talked about how well Bianca can play. Injuries have just been the major obstacle for her. She lost in straight sets and Iga, you know, 23 winners to nine for Bianca and ground stroke winners. But that was an entertaining two sets and Bianca played very well. Iga's just at another level right now. If Bianca can play to that level, she's going to win a lot of matches. Yeah, no question about it. I, I do think that stat's a little misleading in the sense of the way Bianca was trying to combat Iga. She wasn't going to slug. She wasn't going to go out and slug with her. She was trying to mix things up and throw in her high loopers and some slices and disrupt the rhythm, which she did a very good job with that. It took the second set into a tie break, actually led 4-2, 40-15 in that set. Could almost have pushed it to three, but very encouraging result for the 2019 U.S. Open champion. And, of course, the victory here in uh, that year as well in, in Indian Wells. So I, I like what I'm seeing from her, and that was a – uh, that was a really good match. She gave her a tougher match even than than uh, Raducanu, who played quite well also in the first set against Iga. It was a 6-3 set, but she acquitted herself beautifully and then couldn't stay with her in the second set. But again, uh, as my friend Mike Hart said to me in an email earlier, and he's a great tennis observer, that's probably the best, the best Raducanu that we've seen since the, she won the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. Agreed. And that was, you're reading my mind because that was the next person I was going to mention. Great to see Emma um, get to the round of 16. Like you said, she lost to, to Ega, but I, I, I agree with that thought. That's the best I've seen Emma play since that magnificent run in the open. So let's, I mean, it, the WTA tour can get quite, it's already entertaining itself, right? So many good players, but if you add Bianca and Emma consistently to the mix, it makes it even that much better. So let's hope both those players um, and play consistently within that high level of uh, tennis that they're both fully capable of. Um, 
the next the the next two men's matches it was interesting jack draper played andy murray and the winner of that was gonna was gonna face carlos alcaraz a lot of people just were hoping maybe andy won that match because it would be nice to see andy play um carlos that's a jack draper jack draper very good very young it would be great to see jack play carlos two young studs um really getting started in their careers here. Obviously we all, we all know what Carlos has already accomplished. Um, Jack beats Andy too bad. Jack was kind of hurt not to say, even if he was healthy, he'd be Carlos, but you wanted to see a fully healthy Draper play Carlos. And unfortunately that didn't happen. Yeah, that was a shame. You know, interestingly coming into the tournament, I would have been more worried that this, that it was the reverse with Carlos having to retire. We know all the troubles he had with the hamstring, Fortunately, so far, so good. He looks healthy. It's a good thing for him, actually, to have gotten off the court so quickly against Draper, save his energy for FAA in the quarterfinals. So I, 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 but that was unfortunate because Draper, it was a big win for Draper to beat Murray. And you wish he could have gone out and competed at full force uh, in, in that match uh, against Carlos. It just was not to be. And then before we get into the heartbreaker of Tommy Paul's match late last night, we also got to give Tommy Paul props for he had a good tournament. He beat um, Hubie Hercosh three sets, some spectacular shot making. I think the point before match point, he made a ridiculous half volley um, for a match point in that match. And he made there there was a, a someone created a decent, a pretty good highlight tape of him. He had about seven or eight spectacular shots in that match. Um, Tommy's results his year I think they said at one point he was 14 and four or maybe 15 and four maybe 15 and five now with the with the loss last night but Tommy very consistent and very good year so far well we saw in Australia we saw it in Acapulco and again here this was a heartbreaker Uh, you and I went back and forth with a few texts on this one too but really it's astonishing to think that there was Felix serving at, at, at five six in the third, you know, and he's he's love 40. So he's triple match point down there. And he managed to come up with a, a very good first serve to save the first match point. And then he saves the second one with a nicely, a fairly crafty forehand volley cross court. But Tommy did have a look at a forehand pass down the line, which he couldn't make. Then the third one was really bad luck for Tommy Paul. Just bad luck. A shank backhand cross court from Felix. Complete shank somehow lands at on or near the sideline and provokes an error from Paul. And so that's three match points saved there. A couple of great first serves and Felix is into the tie break. But before you know it, despite leading 3-1, he's down 6-3. He's lost five points in a row. He's now triple match point down again, but comes up with a couple of excellent first serves to put the pressure back on Tommy. And now he's saved. Felix has five match points. And on the sixth, Tommy erred off the forehand side. It was kind of a fairly neutral route. He thought he had an opening for an inside out forehand and hit it well out. And then Felix grabs a, the light. And what was surprising was that Tommy serving David at 6-5 and again at 6-all didn't really go for a first serve. Right. He, he hit them like they were second serves. It was almost like he said, I'm just going to get the first serve in, but he didn't place it well. He didn't yeah. do anything that was really going to be threatening to FAA on the return, who was able to make those returns very easily. I'm sure that's something he would like. If he had it to do over again, he would have liked to have got, had a little more purpose on that first serve, a little more pace and precision. I think um, other than the shank backhand that, that you had talked about, that 5-6 point, um, when Tommy was serving for it, for yeah. what, his six-match point, 
Yeah. That was probably of all the match points. That was probably the one that was most neutral. And Tommy may have had a chance. Um, he just made the air. The other points, I think Felix just won. Um, they had a nice moment at the met, at the net. I think they both realized that it was it was a special match. It could have gone either way. Um, I think all tennis fans included it, and that includes obviously you and me. I hope those two play a uh, heck of a lot more, and I think they will because it's a good matchup to watch. Both no nonsense. Um, you know they they just play right. There's not there's no extra you know nonsense between them. They just play at such a high level and they compete. Um, I, I could watch those two face off each other a hundred times. It's just so fun to watch. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, I think Tommy maybe got a, just a bit cautious with his leads. But on the other hand, FAA was very gutsy to come back because he was really not that sharp off the ground. It wasn't his best serving night. It just wasn't his best night, period. But uh, he, it, that's a win that I think, frankly, I thought he needed it a little bit more than Tommy. You described how consistent Tommy's been this year. Felix has not been. Uh, and he's looking to sort of get himself going back to the level we saw last fall when he won three titles in a row, uh, you know, toward the end of the season. And this could maybe get him going. I, I'm fascinated to see how he plays in that match against Carlos, because, of course, they had the U.S. Open match a couple of years ago that Carlos had to retire in after a set leg injury. Felix and leads he, three matches to one in that, right? Yeah, exactly. And then they, he had a big win over him last fall again. Felix, but on a fast court indoors. This is going to be slower conditions, which could help Carlos. On the other hand, it's a great uplifting victory that FAA is coming off, and I still think he likes the matchup. So I see that as a very hard-fought, tight contest. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that match. Cannot wait to watch that match. The the match immediately preceding the Tommy Paul FAA match was um, Kvitova versus Jessica Pagula. I mean, Let's not mistake that match. I mean, the match was crazy with drama. Let's not let's not mistake that match as an all-time classic because it wasn't. And I think Kvitova and Bakula would agree with that. But both those players had four match points. Kvitova finally wins seven six in the third, thirteen eleven in the final set breaker. Um, it was tough conditions. the The quality was not that great, but sure as heck, it was. Tense and, and, and drama all over the place. Each, I said, each player could have won and lost that match seven different times. Well, sure, but you know, David, you said it, it. The conditions have been tough, and that's contributing to sort of a fluctuating level of play on both sides of the net from these top players. Because yes, we've seen extreme wins. Carlos and Rafa comes springs right to mind from a year ago out there. They've had, you know, it can happen, but it's been there day in, day out. And uh, very tough on them. So I thought that that contributed to the fact that Pagula was a little more cautious than usual. She wasn't missing much, but she wasn't really taking the initiative in, in these rallies in cases where she might have been able to do so. But still, Pagula serves for the match, David. She's, she's got her first match point then. And, and Kavitova hits an incredible forehand inside, in slightly inside out. You could call it down the line or inside out, but right into the corner for a winner. That's the first match point save she breaks. Then, of course, they each have they came out of love 30 holes and they go to a tie break. And uh, and once again, three more match points for Jess in the tie break. Kvitova hit winners, David, on every single, all four of the match points against her. Jess was waiting for some mistake. It uh, wasn't waiting for mistakes, maybe hoping that Kvitova would miss and it just was not going to happen. 
She was on the defensive all those times. But then again, it took a bit of a four match points before she could get it done with a surprise serve in volley. So it was really entertaining. You're right. It wasn't the highest quality. They would admit that conditions contributed to it, as did just the tension of uh, the scoreline going back and forth like that down the stretch. And it was a match, but wonderful sporting moment when it was over. They talked up and then they, they, Pagula said something to her, but it was clear that she was not bitter about the loss. And, and uh, it, 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 that's, you wish you could see that more often. It was just the way you'd like to see two players greet each other up at the net after a hard fought contest. I think I've said this to you earlier on, on one of our episodes, but what is impressive to me, Jessica Pagula, when you look at her emotionally throughout the course of a match, whether winning or losing, it's pretty much exactly the same. It's pretty flat. There's not a lot of peaks and valleys. Um, some people can question that with certain players like, oh, do they even care? Are they even trying? That's not the case at all. She competes like crazy and she fights for every ball. I think that's a very good strength that Jesse has and that emotionally she's pretty flat. She doesn't let the score dictate um, her emotions. And in a sport like tennis, that's very hard to do. No, she's got a really wonderful temperament. And the word that comes to mind with her is equanimity. You know, she handles victory and defeat that way. And she handles the point in, point out uh, flow of a match as well as anybody. And and that's going to serve her so well in the long run. To but sort Chrissy, of, Chrissy was kind of like that, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, that it was her vaunted mental toughness, no doubt yeah. about it. But, but I'm saying you see it in so few players that can... Right can somehow erase the disappointments and the failures and just get on with it and not, not find themselves sort of just th- thinking, turning the clock back and, and sort of, and, and reflecting on those frustrations. She just gets on with it. And I agree. And a I bit agree. Of it keeps going for it, but that's part of the problem, David, you know, anybody who plays a bit of a, there's going to be some days like her two Wimbledon finals against Bouchard and against Maria Sharapova. She was almost perfect, dazzling de- demonstrations of her talent, Kvitova. But then there's so many matches you play against her where she's a little in and out. She's a little streaky. She keeps going for winners. And I can't imagine it's very easy to be on the other side of the net and keep your standard up to where you want it to be because it's not a rhythmic match. Right. Oh, ex- extremely well said. But so th- that was the night session. So I guess we can talk about the day session yesterday because that also wasn't too shabby. We had Coco versus Peterson. And Peterson, if you remember, we talked about Peterson previously. She was the one who got to the finals of a tournament when she beat Katie McNally down 4-0 in the third. I yeah. thought Peterson played very well against Coco. Coco was down a break in the third. Um, she all has that, you know, She it was 4-4 in the third and she save the what she save a break point and then hold um and then immediately break back we see that pattern all of the time um what do you think coco coco fought through that match i don't think coco played particularly well she no. struggled today losing to sabalenka but um always good to see coco maybe not play her best and still come up with the win yeah well two things you alluded to today obviously she lost four in love to Sabalenka Sabalenka's at the very top of her game didn't serve one double fault across those two sets it was a really remarkable performance from her and Coco had some problems off the forehand it wasn't the best of days the match 
The win yesterday, I would say this. She, at one stage, she lost, I believe, nine out of 11 games from the start of the second to going down 3-1 in the third. Yes. And that's a tough stretch that she, she, you could see. Now, you could see with her compared to Pagula. It, it, she was advertising her, her frustration and her sort of just the sadness. She, she just couldn't figure out why things were going so wrong. But she did find a way out of it. And I commend her for it because she doesn't have too many. She, she gets out of a lot of matches like that because she's still a good competitor, even if there are times when she's showing you exactly which, what's going on inside her. And uh, she just was outplayed by Sabalenka. There's not much you can say about that. There was a big gap between the number two and number six seeds in that particular match. But Coco will keep learning. She'll keep growing. I, I was glad that she found a way out of that match yesterday because it could so easily have gotten away from her. Oh, yeah. And then we had Medvedev and Zverev. And I mean, that had four, four, five, six, seven different storylines in itself in that match. Um, you know, Zverev, I th- in my opinion, I think Zverev played better than Medvedev throughout the three sets. Um, obviously, there's the the what two for seven. He was at one point one of 16 and break point one up two of 17. Yeah, then um, two of 17. Right. Is what it yeah. was. No, I agree with you. I think you're you're right. And I think Medvedev would say the same thing, frankly. Medvedev is surprisingly for somebody who can be so irrational out there. And he was spouting off about how this was not a hard court. I'm a hard court specialist. This is not a hard court. He hates that particular hard court out at Indian Wells. So he can be kind of irrational and unreasonable at times like that. But when you listen to him talk about a match afterwards, he's one of the best. Yeah. He's very likable and very honest. And he would tell you that Zara was largely the better player. But when you're on a big winning streak like Medvedev is, and you've won three titles in a row, you're going for four, you start to just feel like you can't be stopped even when you turn your ankle in the middle of the second set. Now, the frustration for Zarev is to have, I think, three love 40s that he didn't convert. That was a big part of the big break, the break point dilemma for him was, it's one thing when you have isolated break points scattered throughout the match, but love 40s, you should be, that, that's, you should be converting in the, those opportunities somewhere along the line. And that's because he's now just coming back into form, David. We talked about him a couple of days ago. He's just coming round. We know that he lost the whole second half of last year after that harrowing ankle injury, yeah. that injury that he suffered against Rafa in the semis of the French. So you got to say that he's not quite there mentally yet. So he didn't, he couldn't quite put the clamps down and close it out. And Medvedev found a way out of it. But what we don't know as we speak is what, what Daniel with that ankle, he said it was easier to run than to walk. So the question yeah, is, you- is he, is he fit enough to get through uh, three more matches here, you know, against Fokina, Davidovich, Fokina, and then potentially Tiapo, and who knows in the final who's going to come out of that strong to half of the draw. But uh, that w- that's what I'm most concerned about for Medvedev is that his physical condition. Does Is he going to have it in him? He, was, he had enough to get through against Sarah, but will he have three more matches in him? I just don't know. Yeah, time will tell. And if uh, for you for you people who like highlights, um, Medvedev hit a ridiculous shot early in the second set tiebreaker. It was off an overhead from Zverev. Medvedev was way back by the end of the fe- by back of the fence. Medvedev countered it with a with an overhead by himself from way back in the fence for a winner. So you uh, check that out on social media if you haven't seen it. It was incredible, um, incredible, incredible shot. He, again, I love the honesty. I love the candor. He said that if he tried that 
same play, say nine, 10 times, he might make it once or twice. That's it. So he was very, he knew he was taking a big chance. It wasn't a perfectly hit smash from Zara, but still you're far behind the baseline, taking it on the bounce, reaching up, trying to time it perfectly and somehow hit that overhead past Zarev at the net, which he did beautifully. That, that, was, that was one of those moments you don't forget very easily and, and, and a rare moment. How often are you going to see that? An overhead right. winner off an overhead. <laughs> right, exactly. And continue on the theme that we've been kind of talking about. You know, hopefully we can see Andrescu keep playing very well. Radakanu keep playing well. You referred to Zverev now coming back off that awful injury um, against Rafa at the French. He looked good yesterday. He was, you know, a, a fraction of getting uh, a beaten Medvedev. So here we are. Um, Wednesday, we're recording this Wednesday evening. Um, earlier today, Francis Tifo, pretty straightforward over Nori. I thought that was going to be a little bit tougher. You already referred to the Medvedev-Fakina match. A lot of that, I think, hinges on the health of Medvedev and his ankle. Um, then you got the Alcaraz at the top of the draw. You got Alcaraz-FAA. I think that's going to be a great match. Um, and then Fritz versus Sinner, which should also be a great match. We're going to record this. We're going to record this Sunday night or Monday. Well, the next time we record, we'll have a champion. Um, quickly off the cuff, Alcaraz or FAA? I, I'm going, I can't, it's a little bit, I'm, I'm a little torn, but I'm going to go with FAA, the very tight three setter. I think he's it, you know, coming off the, the spectacular comeback against Tommy Paul the good record he has against Carlos. Carlos still trying to work his way back to top form. And now maybe he'll surprise me and blitz through the tournament. Who's to say? But right now I'm giving slight edge FAA. Prince and Sinner. Sinner, three sets. FAA or Fritz? You? What about you? FAA or Fritz? Oh, okay. FAA or Fritz. Uh, Fritz. Fritz. So you got Fritz coming out of that top half. Who you got coming out of the bottom half? TFO or Medvedev or Fakina? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm gonna, I'm gonna say because of the, I, I all along I thought Medvedev would win the tournament based on his confidence and his form, but I He's don't trust his ankle right now. So I'm saying TFO, who's already in the semis and waiting for the win of that match, I'm putting him into the finals, and I'm, I'm having Taylor Fritz. Defend his title by defeating Tiafo in the final. Two Americans in the final of a Masters 1000 with Fritz repeating. All right, we got that. I like that. I like that. The, the Alcaraz FAA uh, match is going to be something. Women's side, we can't ignore them at all. Come on, we got Sabalenka who's playing so well right now. She's going to play the winner of Sakari and Kvitova. Kvitova, we'll see how much energy she has in the tank after um, last night. Sakari's Sok played a lot of three set matches too. Sakri or Kvitova? Sakri. And then you're, you're picking, Sakri, you're picking Sabalenka to, to get out of that side, right? What's, yes, I've got Sabalenka going to the finals. Yes, yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Rabakina versus uh, Muchova. Rabakina versus? Uh, I'm sorry, Bon. Uh, yeah, Muchova. Muchova. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to go with Rabakina there. Yes, yes. Yep. And then Iga, you got to have Iga up top. I know that. Yeah, and I'm going to – and then if Iga plays – has a chance for revenge here against Rabakina, who beat her in Australia, and I'm going to I'm going to say she's going to get it. It's Iga, a slower yeah. court. Iga slower and Sabalenka. Court, slower court this time favors Iga, and I like the way she's playing. So I've got Iga in the finals against Sabalenka, Iga in two tight sets. 
I mean, that's going to be a heck of a final if that works. Heck of a final. Um, Hey, I'm going to let you go because we got more tennis to watch. I think it was this was great that we did it because we knew the potential of what we were going to see Monday and Tuesday. And boy, oh, boy, did we have stuff to talk about. It would have been way too much to recap everything on Sunday night or Monday. So for the listeners, we're going to get this out with within the hour. Steve, any final thoughts? Yeah, no, the final thoughts is I don't have tremendous confidence in all those predictions. That's the fun of this week. That's what made it makes it so enjoyable going in. I would have liked Tommy Paul's chances against FAA, but somehow FAA finds a way to win. I would have mid-match. I would have liked Zarev's chances against Medvedev. He couldn't get it done. It's been that kind of a tournament. So I don't have that much confidence in the calls, but I'm really looking forward to the home stretch here. Oh, 100%. All you college basketball fans, get your two TVs ready. You can get your remote controls, new batteries in both remote controls, because there's a uh, a lot of TV to watch the next few days. So everybody enjoy. Steve, I'm going to let you go and get back to the tennis. Thanks for doing this quickly with me. David, thank you.